Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. I'm Tony Haggerty at a Haggerty 10 Twitter handle. It's Tuesday the 24th of January and today I'm joined once again by Sean Martin at Sean Martin TCW and Aidan McDonald at Aidan C. McDonald. Morning gentlemen, how are we? Not bad Tony, are yourself? I'm okay, yes. I'm getting better as you can hear and see. <laughs> I think so, I think so. Touch wood and all that, but yes indeed. And uh, we will talk about the leather belts, the Marjorie Proops, the fuzzy felts any minute now, per many one from three gentlemen, if you're that way inclined. But I'll direct you to the strap line running along the bottom. We've got an offer. You subscribe to the Celtic Way website. It costs you a pound for four months of unlimited access to everything that we write on the web. And new subscribers will also receive this, an A3 Callum McGregor limited edition bespoke artwork by renowned uh, football artist made by Frankie, popular Celtic artist. There it's there on the screen. And yes, if you subscribe, you can get one of them and it costs you a pound for four months of unlimited access to everything written on the website. For a click of a button, guys, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Get yourself involved in that. You can have, you can get one of those limited edition bespoke A3 artworks. And also, we thank our new sponsors, Seneca. Seneca Medical Group, Celtic Way Morning Briefing is now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group. And Seneca, the number one hair transplant company in Europe, and they offer innovative hair restoration treatments. And you can find out more about Seneca via the links in the description of this video. Gentlemen, it never stops in the world of Celtic. So we were thinking about what could we talk about today. And we come up with a topic of discussion. It's quite a good one because we touched on it briefly yesterday, but we didn't really go into it in any great detail. Kyogo has got 20 goals, Sean. He has. Which was the exact total that he got last season. It's January. There is a lot <laughs> of the season to go. And our speculation and conjecture minds went into we're winning into overdraft and overtime. And we thought, okay, let's hypothetically pluck a total out of the air and see how many he can get. <laughs> Sean, do you reckon 30 is a possibility? We'll start with the kind of base tally of 30. Do you reckon that's. He's got every chance of hitting 30 goals this season. I do, I I think, we, first of all, right, we'd say, we were talking in the group chat before that we said we'd use this as a jumping-off question to get the ball rolling, right, because it's a Q&A. Yes. So get all your questions in. There's a few in the comments already that we'll, take, we'll try our best to get through them all. Celtic-related, preferably. Um, but uh, I, we said that we'd use this as a jumping-off kind of question to get the ball rolling. And I figured, well, we might as well go the whole hog. I'm sure my wife would say I'm just being extra. I think that's a phrase, isn't it, Aidan? Um, I'm going to I'm going to go statistical here for a second, right? You can see Tony going, oh, right? No, no, no. Just a simple question, Sean, and you're going, oh, XG and stuff. But right, so far, so far with Celtic, right? He's got 40 goals total, right? And he's expected goals, which is just the quality of chances what you could expect him to score from what he gets is 29.8, right? So he scored 10 goals more than what he could have, should have. From the chances that he's got now, automatically you might think with that, well, it has to regress at some stage, he'll fall out of form, he'll stop scoring, blah blah blah. However, though, right, I had a, a look further back, so in 13,200 minutes of top level in international football, right, going all the way back to 2018, the guy has outperformed his XG by nearly 30 goals, so he's just a really good goal scorer, right? So I thought, how does that translate to this season? Well, he's got 16 league games left, one League Cup final, and at least one more Scottish Cup game, but obviously we're hoping it's four, right? So 21 matches, injury permitting, to add to that tally. The longest he's gone this season without scoring is four matches, but that's unfair because one of those was when he got taken off after five minutes injured, right? So for these reasons, and the reason that a single season doesn't necessarily see a regression back to what you'd expect in the data, I think if he plays them all, he'll reach 50 matches, right? But let's say he does get a rest here or there, and he maybe plays 47 or 48, I'm going to go with a very specific and odd total of 33 in all competitions, guys, right? And that'd be the most since... Anybody? Uh, 
Dembele? Did he get 30? Mourinho's he's got it. And beating the habit of a lifetime, it's Tony Haggerty that's got it. Uh, it is since Griffiths, because Griffiths got 41 season, remember, but yeah, Dembele got 32 ah, in the Invincible season. So I have taken him to get one more than one more than Dembele got in the, uh, in the Invincible yeah. season. Would you reckon higher or lower than the Bruce Versailles style? <laughs> Play your card. <laughs> right, sure. Right, Aiden, are, you, are you playing the player cards right higher or lower on your go? Uh, I'll go slightly higher. I'll go 35. Right, okay. Uh, well, you know what Tony's got to do? Who's got to go the full half? 40, 42. <laughs> okay. If we're doing that, I usually go one more, don't I? So I'll go 36. Rainman Sean, that is. Knowledge is the bomb and all that, Sean, but that's quite a, that's quite a scientific and specific mm. statistic that you've, you've pulled out the other. I'll go 36. Has <laughs> <laughs> Sean borrowed a laptop from Gavin Stratton? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it is one of those hypotheticals, and you're basing it on XG and over his sample of games and stuff like that. But uh, what we can say is that it, that it can be done. You mm-hmm. Griffiths proved that you can score a lot of goals and Dembele also proved that you can score a lot of goals, Aidan, as a Celtic striker. Yeah, I, I, put, I mean, they're going to get plenty of chances as well, aren't they? Like, given the sort of quality of players that are around them to create, you know, Jota, Hitati. I mean, we've seen with Hitati's assist against uh, St Mern for uh, Kyogo recently when you're getting sort of quality balls played into you like that. There's going to be plenty of opportunities to score them. Obviously, he's, he's, he's done really well this season in terms of goal scoring, but he's also missed chances as well, particularly in the Champions League. Mm. So, if he'd had taken some of them, he could have another, what, five, six plus. So, yeah, it, it, his goal scoring's been really good, and hopefully he, he does add another 10, 15 plus, because that could be an important factor come the end of the season. Yeah, definitely, Sean. I mean, I think it's, it's fair to say that, yeah, 30, which we said there, to open that is... Possibly a conservative estimate, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Aye, I mean, it all depends. Obviously, if he stays injury free, the yeah, main yeah, thing. Of course, injury permitting. If, if, if Yakimakis stays, he needs game time. If if he goes and and Ockham's in, then he'll eventually need game time. I've I, I wrote that piece that I've been talking about for four days. That Joey Dawson piece is up on the website today. If you subscribe to the newsletter, you'd have got it last night. But I make a point in that that if Yakimakis goes and Ockham's in, O's not played competitively since October twenty eighth. Or something. Uh, he played a friendly for South Korea after that, but it was only like a week later, and then he never made the World Cup squad. Um, so Son could get in really, Tottenham, Tottenham player. But um, so there's no guarantee that even if he comes in this week, that he's going to be actually playing or playing any substantial minutes for the next few weeks. So as much as I was writing that in the context of maybe Joey Dawson getting a shout, it naturally it leads you to think, well, Kyogo will play more or play just as much as he's playing just now, even though there might be a new striker coming in. So. I to me, I don't think we're not. We're obviously not going to be saying, "Oh well, we think he's going to get injured," because we don't think he's going to get injured, and we certainly don't want him to get injured. So injury permitting and rotation permitting, which I think so far you've sh- he's shown he's not going to rotate him as much as maybe uh, some of the other mm-hmm. positions, um, especially while he's scoring. I don't see why he can't get to all three of the tallies that we've said or any of the three tallies that we've said. Yeah, so I said thirty-six. You said thirty. He didn't say thirty. Yeah. 35 and I said 33, yeah. Okay. It's going to be 35 then because Aiden tends to get these things right, doesn't he? So, yeah, he's, the, he's the man, isn't he, in terms of his predictions, so it's uh, we may as well bow down to that right now, but yeah, as, uh, as the tally increases, we'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. So, yeah, indeed. Now, Sean, you asked for the commenters to put in their questions. Any coming in? Yeah. Uh, aye, there's a few here. Uh, hold on, I've just, there's a question here. Hmm. Saying uh, just just a simple answer, really, Andrew Galea, who's the next highest scorer behind Kyogo? Pardon me, do any of you know off the top of your head? Hey, oh, that's a good one, isn't it? I'll give you a clue that it's not maybe the most obvious guy. <laughs> uh-huh. Is it Maida? No, no, it's not. I wish it was because after what I said in pre season, <laughs> what a bada is it? It is a bada, it's a bada. Um, Yakimagus yeah, is one behind a bada as well. I was just trying to. Can see the roller decks of goal. I was playing goals in my head. Kyogo's got double what the next high scorer has. So Kyogo's at 20, Abada's got 10, then it's Yakimakis on 9, Jota on 8, and then Maida on 7. Um, but they're still, I mean, Kyogo is running away with a wee bit more than, than maybe last season. 
Uh, and last season, towards the end of the season, I wrote a piece kind of breaking down the goal share. She said mm. they were sharing the burden and different things. They were sharing it, and I, I compared it to right way, right the way back to the Invincibles team, basically, uh, to, in the terms of composition of goals, who was getting them. And a lot of the time, there's maybe usually two that make up a, like about 40% of the team's goals. And it wasn't that, it wasn't the case last year. They shared it about really, really well. And although Kyogo is double the next best guy so far this season, there's still a lot of players that are contributing the goals, which is a positive because it means that even if Kyogo does go that four game streak or whatever without scoring, you still trust that those other players will be able to get uh, find the net. Yeah, that's quite uh, comforting, Aidan, to know that there's goals in that team. And I, I even look at, and he's had limited game time, but David Turnbull's contribution last couple of games, yeah. a couple of goals, you know, goals from outside the box as well, which something of a rarity for this Celtic team because they like to get it out in the wide positions and get it in the box, don't they? So you have that in your armoury too uh, that you can fall back on at times given if Turnbull's on the park. Yeah, I mean, it's important to have goals throughout the team, obviously. But plenty of Celtic teams have been successful in the past and there's maybe been like, you know, one player on 40-plus goals and then maybe another couple that are needing 20. But I think it is good to have... If you had maybe like quite a few players that were near double digits or maybe just slightly over that, and then fair enough, Kyogo will like you know maybe 25 30 plus. It's good to spread it through the team because obviously there's going to be a lot of football to play. And it's been good to see Turnbull score after not really being involved as much. Two goals in the last two games, you can't argue with. So it's good to just see everybody chipping in at the moment. Even Aaron Moyes had a few goals as well. Yep. So, yeah, five players last season, Tony reached double figures in all competitions. There's already two this season. Oh, it depends what happens with Yakimakis, I suppose, but he's only one away. Uh, and then you've got the other two guys that I said there that aren't all that far away as well. So you could end up with more than last season reaching double figures, even if Kyogo does continue to kind of pull away as the main guy. Of course. And Aidan, you got Aaron Moy's title wrong. It's Aaron, Aaron Moy, Aaron, Aaron Moy. That's his full name from now on. You know, it was like uh, Brian Rice, who became ex-Hibs in Nottingham Forest, that was actually his full name, and I, I once said that to him when I interviewed him, you know, he was always Brian Rice, ex-Hibs in Nottingham Forest, so I always thought that was his kind of full name, and he, he did laugh, because he, he always said that, whenever, whenever I was quoted, whenever he wrote my name, that's always what he said, ex-Hibs in Nottingham Forest, but there you go, all our regular players, yeah, wind up to Patrick Walker, that, that's a fair shout, actually, that's, you wouldn't bet against that, would you? Uh, I suppose it depends game times, doesn't it? Because the likes of Forrest, he's already on five right enough, but he, he might not get the game time necessarily get the double figures. But then you've seen he only needs a wee run and he'll get a hat trick and stuff like that sometimes. Haksabarovich needs a run of games. Uh, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily rule it out. Uh, I was going to put this up, Aidan. Strict question. A sorry, simple question for you, Gary McDowell. Mystic Aidan, oh. will Matt O'Reilly score this season? Yeah or nay? I think we've got a couple of eventually, yeah, just with the amount of chance Celtic create. Uh, I'm surprised he hasn't scored yet. I think that will be something that probably does frustrate Aurelio. We know his sort of goal contributions has been excellent this season. His assist rate's tremendous, but he want to get a few in the net because he has had a few opportunities. But given the amount of chances Celtic create, and if they do potentially, obviously they've got League Cup final point in the league games, if they do potentially get to a Scottish Cup final as well, it's going to be a lot of football, so I think you'll get a couple high, but I don't think it's going to be an extremely high scoring season for him, just because he's went so long without scoring at the moment. Uh, Tony, we've got a few things here, quick ones again. Patrick McLaughlin will Celtic be invited to defend the Coronation Cup this summer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there is any plans for that, but you would think surely as defending champions, Tony? <laughs> well, yeah, indeed, I will because uh, it's... It's in permanent residence in Celtic's trophy room, <laughs> so it looks like they're wanting to part with it. They'll have to commission a new trophy, one would conjecture. And, uh, Aye, it's always been a wee quirk of fate, isn't it, that Celtic yes, won the Coronation Cup, indeed. quite like it. Yeah, indeed. So that's, uh, we'll need to see what happens with that, and yeah, that's that's that would be something, wouldn't it? Aye, aye. Um, Derek Crawford, one for me. Did you stick dough on Maida, Sean? I did, actually, aye. Um, probably mm. mistakenly at this stage, but I did. Aye, I did back him. Uh, Jerry McCann, I'll throw us to you, Aidan. We've kind of spoken about it before, so you don't need to get into it in a lot of detail, but Jerry says, what do you think of Nisbet as a third striker? Kevin Nisbet, yeah. Fans, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I think as a, a third striker, it would be a good option. I think I'd mentioned before that I didn't know how I felt of 
he was like the, the number two, as in like if Keogh picks up an injury or gets suspended, it's saying this, but it'd be starting for like a run of games. But I think probably as a third choice, it'd be an excellent option. Whether or not, I don't know if he would come to be third choice. You know, he is getting regular starting at Hibs. He may be able to start as the main man elsewhere, but I think it's, we could get him as a third choice option. Then yeah, that'd be quite good. I don't know about yours, but there's a, a couple of no's in there. Uh, Jason Lee just saying this, but this dude never goes away. Um, Patrick saying no, not for the price that it would be. Chilpill saying not sure about this, but we kind of spoke about him before, didn't we? Um, Derek Crawford saying he would cost a fortune to be third choice. Uh, I, I think I probably sit on it uh, roughly about that. Well, I think if Habs would be wanting probably three to four million for him, I think, and could invest a similar transfer total, mm. he could invest it more wisely. Let's put it that way, mm-hmm. uh, and bring in a player of possibly better quality. I'm not knocking Kevin Is, but I think he's a, a decent goal scorer and a decent enough player from what I've seen of him. But mm-hmm. I've not seen enough of him to convince me that he's, you know, a Celtic player of yet, as of yet. And I don't know, I, I guess, you what everybody's saying, to come in and be third choice, you're going to lash out three, four million quid. Nah, for somebody to be third choice, I don't think so. Just being realistic. Uh, JJ McGarvey saying, don't want to bring the mood down, but will Celtic be able to hold on to Kyogo come summertime? Uh, I'll start with that one. I think yes, because again, I'll go back to age. He's, he's yeah. just turned 28, and I know technically that's your peak years as a striker, but it's also not really the, the price, that, it's not really the age that people want to pay a lot of money for, unless they're a team that's just splashing the cash well in Italy, which sometimes sometimes happens, but most of the time people are paying for potential. So I think that actually keeps in Celtic's favour in this in this case, that they'll probably hold on to him for that reason as much as anything else. I also think as long as the manager's here, these players are here. Because mm. I don't think he would go to the trouble of telling them to come halfway across the world and, and then just up sticks and leave. I think that's more, uh, to me, that would be more uh, if, if it was Ange that was going to leave rather than, rather yeah, than the player. Because if a player gets a, a decent offer, like he likes a Hatati, he'd maybe get, maybe get more in front of him in terms of interest yeah. than, what, um, than what Kyogo would have because he's, he's a wee but bit I, younger. But I think it just counts in Celtic's favour yeah. that he's 28. Do you know well, what I mean? I, yeah, think. I, I agree with that as well. But I think a lot of the attraction with these players is actually working for Ange and the project mm-hmm. and vision that he has sold them and, and, and taking Celtic to that next level, which is to be a kind of competitive force in in Europe at the top level, at Champions League level, and I, I think uh, I think that's a real viable uh, proposition, an exciting proposition for uh, the Celtic players who are at, at this stage in that kind of journey. And Ange talks about it as well, so I think it's quite an exciting prospect and uh, uh, an enticing carrot that's been dangled there. And I think they want to kind of see the job through. With that, so I, I stand by it that the, as long as the manager stays, I think those players will continue to want to work with the manager to get Celtic to that that stage and that level. Could be wrong on that, of course, but I'm quite confident. Aiden, next one for you. What's the long term plan, as you would hope, with uh, <laughs> Vasilis Barkas and Albina Yeti? Higgy Boyas. Hey, <laughs> who knows? I think obviously trying to. Get them moved on. I think they've still got like, a couple of years left in their contracts from the summer. Trying to get them moved on, but I don't think that's going to be easy. I could probably see another potential loan move for each of them. Then it's the following season, but it'd be good to get them off the wage bill. But I think it's going to be tough. Obviously, Barkas seems to be doing okay over for Utrecht, so there could be a chance that maybe there is a bit of interest in them, but I think ideally you get them moved on in the summer, but it's, it's not going to be easy, I don't think. I think, I think the problem, both of their contracts are next summer. I think the problem with that is you have a willing seller, unwilling buyers. Maybe I. I I'm still hopeful the Utrecht one will work out, but yeah. it depends on what Celtic ask for. It might be that you ask for a cup price, or you, you accept a cup price because you, you want the want the player out in the wages off, off the bill, that kind of thing. But well, You buy one, you get one free, that kind of thing. <laughs> that, that, yeah, yeah, that, we're reduced to with Barkas Nayeti, which is a shame. I, I mean, I'm being a bit flippant there. I, I just think it's a shame for, for those two players because sometimes you sign players and it just doesn't work. You know, and, mm-hmm. I, and I think in the case of uh, Barkas and Ayeti, that's been the case. I don't think that they're bad players uh, by any stretch, 
just walked into the wrong movie set, didn't they? And as I said yesterday, they're, they're stigmatised by that season, uh, the, the ten, you know, they're going for the ten season and and what and how that panned out, and you know, some players it, it just kind of follows them around, doesn't it? And I think those two guys, it's it's followed them around, and I feel for them in that sense because it's very hard to shake that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And they, they have to go and reinvent themselves somewhere. I agree, I agree with Sam Hartley there. They Celtic need to cut the losses on both. And and take any kind of fee that you can get for them. Uh, Robert, the, I mean, I agree. I, I do agree with you, Tony. I see that, Robert. Is that mm-hmm. your way of saying they're both rubbish, <laughs> harsh? But the thing is, I think you're right that they do. They do have the stigma of that that season that shall not be named. But both of them got a chance under Ange Postecoglou, however, briefly as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Barkas in pre-season again, it just it just showed absolutely nothing. In fact, it wasn't even that it showed nothing; it was that he showed the whole side of a goal with the West Ham strikers. Where Ayeti, he got a brief chance when Kyogo yeah. got injured, and to his credit, he scored a couple. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm I very much am still being unfair to, to even bring this specific moment up because everybody can have a bad game. But I do think that that Dundee United game where he was leading the line and they drew 1-1 and they struggled and it was Jota who had just, been, just come in the door. Yeah, yeah. They all looked to and he hit it with, what, three, four times. The striker, Ayeti, missed a sitter and then went missing for the rest of the game. And I just yeah. think that attitude counted against him. Um, I, I, I don't I think I don't, it's a surprise that he never, get, never really get in after that. I don't doubt that for a minute. And I also think sometimes uh, the enormity of playing for a club like Celtic and the demands just swallows players up. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I think they, I think he just swallowed those two players up in particular. They just could not cope with the mm-hmm. demands, and then couldn't cope with the even greater demands when Ange Postecoglou came in and said, "If you think that was demanding, <laughs> you know, you'll yeah. never stop under me." This, that, and the next thing. And players, some players just don't have it in them. Nah, there's oh, obviously geez. confidence issues and different things after off yeah. the back of that kind of that 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 season that we won't talk about. But even then, you're right, and and I think this is where. This is what was stuck in the back of my mind with the Yakimakis things in the summer because I, I'd got the logic of, like when, when I said James Daly wrote a, com, a column for us, it got widely lambasted, but his point fundamentally was if someone is daft enough to come in with really good money for Yakimakis, then why would Celtic turn it down? Because they can feasibly replace what he brings. But my, kinda, my own opinion was you can't really quantify how important he was in that running because Kyogo was injured and he made you not yeah. miss Kyogo. And part of that was the way that he settled in. And I know it took, it took him a while because of his injuries and stuff. But for some players, that, that settling in never comes at a club like Celtic, whether it's the pressure, whether it's the confidence, whether it's the expectation, all that kind of stuff. So when you find someone who does thrive on it, it's not necessarily a case of uh, replacing X, Y and Z that they bring statistically. Sometimes it's the personality. Will they actually rise to the challenge of being at Celtic? And Yakimakis, on the whole, did. And that's what you need to replace as much as the actual goals. Yeah. It's like Aiden on the briefing. He never got a chance <laughs> to settle in, didn't he? You know, Aiden, you were straight into it and kind of, you never stop mentality and <laughs> sink or swim and all that, you know. And you've came in and did the job, ploughed a lone furrow at times, but hey, you know what I mean? Good steady worker and all that attitude application. It's all there. What say, <laughs> you, what say you to that, young Aiden? Can't argue with any of that. Cheers, Gaffer. Cheers, Gaffer. That's the words you're looking for. Cheers, Gaffer. Just doing my best, Gaffer. Just doing my best. Uh, Lighten the mood a wee bit here. Uh, Michael Ross, dear panel, question's a simple one. Will the comb over a la Bobby Charlton and Drew Jarvie hairstyle ever come back into football? No, it won't. It's a simple answer, and I'll tell you why. Because our sponsor Seneca will make yeah. sure that they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want it to come back, do they? Really? Let's be honest. So Seneca would have a lot to say about that. Uh, Frank Frank yeah. uh, Frank Brennan came in there. I, I forgot his favourite to comment, but he came in after that saying uh, the Burns by that I assume he means me and you, Aiden. Uh, will not even know who Drew Jarvie is. I worked in Aberdeen for six seven years. I know who Drew Jarvie is. Obviously, you you need to know who these guys are up there. Don't yes. know if Aiden knows who he is right enough, but I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't. Former Aberdeen star with a comb over yeah. Aiden. There he goes. Scored against Celtic in the 1976 League Cup final, yeah. which Aberdeen won 2 1. Famous for that. Yeah. 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 There you go. Drew Jarvie. Used, used to always get Drew Jarvie on your football cards. You know, you were waiting for a Celtic badge or something. You would get a Drew Jarvie and it would drive you wild. But there you have it. <laughs> getting quite a lot of love for the Seneca plug there because <laughs> but, 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 I um, 
one for you specifically, Tony. Beach Boys saying, question to Tony, out with Celtic, is this the world standard of premiership, as in teams and players overall, that you can remember since you started watching as a journalist? He, he His personal opinion is that it's by far the worst. It's a hard question to, ask, to answer, Tony, that, because how are you meant to quantify it? Yeah, how do you quantify that? And do you know what? Uh, I, I love football, love Scottish football in particular. And uh, I would never knock the product in Scotland. Hmm. Depends what you're comparing it with. You can't really compare it with any other kind of league, you know, because all the other leagues are awash with cash if you're going to compare it to down south and all that. But I've never, ever knocked Scottish football because what Scottish football is, it's competitive, it's passionate, it's raw. We have, I, I think we still produce a wonderful product and you can knock the clubs, whatever club you, you support, but I'll never do it. Because I, I, I don't think it's been tainted by money per se. You know, Celtic Rangers have always been had, had attracted the biggest crowds, will always be the richest clubs in Scotland. But other clubs have always had their uh, tilt at something and won a few prizes down the years. And uh, one of my favourite times growing up was watching uh, football in the 80s when you had the likes of Aberdeen and Dundee United who were christened the new firm. He did well in Europe and all that. And you always say to yourself, will these will those days ever come back? Probably not, sadly. But I I I would never knock the product which we produce up here. I think Celtic are yeah, they're a moment in time in Celtic where they're the best in the country by by a wee distance at, at this minute. But uh, yeah, but Celtic have endured tough times as well. My growing up, Aidan's never seen a tough Celtic uh, time, you know, by virtue of the fact of his youth. But yeah, I uh, and as a, as a working journalist, I I enjoy every football season because most of the time I don't know what's going to happen and who's going to win the, the prizes. Latterly, you've kind of been able to predict that. Uh, but I, uh, as I say, I I think uh, yeah, wonderful product not commercialised as it could be yeah I, I you know and I and I've always argued right see if you're an Albion Rovers supporter and 300 people want to go and watch Albion Rovers that's their club you cannot tell them that they should amalgamate and merge with you know Airdrie or, or the two Dundee United or sorry the two Dundee clubs should merge and form one big uh, Dundee club and all that I, it's your football club that's that's your passion that's what well, that's what makes you go along every other week and you follow your team and your club, you know, win, lose or draw. And I, I, I just think if you strip that and you remove that or you 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 pour a lot of money into it, you know, it's not Scottish football, yeah, there's there's money in it at the top end with, with Celtic Rangers, but it's the product's certainly not been diluted in that sense or, or tainted by real heavy investment. And I like that about Scottish football and you just need to take last night as an example of yeah. how beautiful Scottish football can be. You know, what, what are Darville? Five tiers below Aberdeen? Five tiers below I, west of Scotland. Yeah. yeah. And you you look at that speech that the Darville manager gave uh, to the players before the game. It was, I mean, you, you, you look at that and you think, yep, yeah, that's exactly how you would send your team out in told told them just filled them full of belief mm -hmm. I remember Joe Miller and Graham Roberts saying the same thing when Clyde played Celtic, told them all week that they were going to win and uh, they, they pulled off a shocker you know Inverness Cali did the same you know so the Scottish football's full of wonderful moments like that and uh, that's why I again as a journalist I know talking about how do you measure standards I, I don't really know how you I can't turn around and say it's the poorest it's ever been. How how can you say that for fact? You know, I, I, I never watched football in the 60s. You know, when my, my dad was watching it and Celtic Rangers had great teams in Europe and stuff like that, but were they playing against poor opposition? <clears throat> I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I've not really looked at the league tables to see the actual points differential in, in, in those kind of seasons. I can only base it from when I was growing up and I've been a journalist for half my life so I've been a journalist for 25 years and uh, I can't turn around and say th that was a time when it was poor or that was a time when it was great 
I just enjoy football for what it is and the sport and the spectacle of it all. And you know, to to define it like that is the poorest it's ever been. Then I I'm not I don't follow that train of thought. I, mm. I, I leave I'll leave that to others. Uh, Tony Sean Malloy saying that's all very well, Tony, but reality is Scottish football has twice as many clubs as is wise. That might be the case. And I, I've kind of had this in a debate in a pub usually before that if you were starting from scratch in Scotland in a country this size, you wouldn't have as many senior clubs as what you do. But I'm also I'm also a history guy. So the reality is there are that many clubs and you can't just some, simply wish yeah. them away. You can't just... Because you're saying 300 Albion Rovers fans, whatever it is, whether even if it's 20 going to see Greenock Juniors or something like that, it's still their club. It's still in the pyramid now as well. Yeah. I just think yeah. you can't you can't wish that away. So... Well, I, I take Sean Malloy's point because I do agree that for a country this size, the, 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 the amount of senior clubs in city, concentrated in cities and different things probably doesn't make sense. You're not working on sense because there's, a, there's sometimes well over 100 years of history for a lot of these clubs. You can't just wish them away. You can't just say amalgamate. Like For instance, Dundee, you used the, uh, the, 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 the example of Dundee, two clubs in one city and one street. It doesn't. It doesn't really make sense on the face of it. But nonetheless, both clubs are, are, are historic clubs with their own historic fan bases. So, well, if you started from the get go, you'd say right, one club Dundee City or whatever. It's just not the case because there's already two clubs there, and, and you, you don't wish that kind of history away for people. And I don't know about you, Aidan. I think there's something wonderful about seeing those two stadiums kind of almost touch each other in the same street. And people say, "Oh, it doesn't make sense." And yeah, it might not make sense now, but. I think that that that's a it's a definition of what you are, you know. We're Dundee, we're Dundee United, you know. I, 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 there's something tremendous that you could kick a ball from one stadium and hit the other stadium with a football as you're standing. I, I love that. I, I just to me that's just that's tradition for me and it's history. And I just think I just don't think you can do away with that. And regardless if the the, the sides are, are poor or not as great as they were in the past, you know. Fine, it's their football club. It's you know they, you you cannot just tear that down, as Sean says. And I, I it's what makes Scottish football, you no, know, it's what makes the seasons turn in Scottish football. Aidan, I'm going to throw this up because it kind of ties. But you asked me a question about Inverness Cali Thistle yesterday. Um, Jason Lee says you can't force clubs to merge. Supporters won't go for it. Uh, Cali Thistle are a, a merged club. Yes, fairly young club, um, but two the merger of two clubs from up in the Highlands, Inverness Thistle and Caledonian, which is why you, which is why I say to Aidan, you either say Cali Thistle or Inverness. You don't say just Cali because that's that will upset yeah. the older fans that just supported Inverness Thistle that kind of thing. Um, but there was no to that, Sean, wasn't there? Well, that's what I was going to say. Like supporters didn't go for it, but the way that they would argue was that it was it was uh, once they'd merged. It forced a better, more successful club. Obviously, through the through the, the leagues, so some people that just have refused. They just they just will not go and watch them because it's not their club anymore. That kind of thing. Yeah. But where they would argue, and you see this more in in, in the recent years with the younger fan base who have come through only knowing this club, that's their club, not the the pre the pre merger clubs and all that. So. I suppose the longer it goes on, if you get a merger through, that is what the hope is that the younger fan bases are just purely take that club, the new club to heart and all that. But it's a it's an interesting debate and I just thought I'd throw Sean Molly's comment up about it in general. Um Aiden, I'll throw this next one to you. Uh, which is if if uh, Tomoki Iwata turns out to be a starting quality player, how do you think Ange Postacoglu adapts the team? Does he go with two sitters or does he move Callum McGregor forward? And if he does that, who loses some game thing? So, so, so I think uh, so. I think if a water, you know, turns out to be an absolutely unbelievable player and is a regular starter, he is probably going to be based off obviously, you know, scouting reports and that that we've kind of seen and that Stuart had done. Obviously, I think it would appear he would probably be a number six, and then that would maybe lead to McGregor being pushed forward now. Uh, at the moment, Hitati, uh, O'Reilly, Moy, Turnbull, who then drops out be- between them, I-, I don't know, it's quite a difficult question, but uh, at the moment, I think for a short period, even if a water comes in and does really well, I think it's going to be quite hard for McGregor to be moved out of that sixth position. 
just uh, even I just don't know how much game time he's going to get at the start to sort of show that. I mean, obviously he could be showing up really well in training, etc. But I don't think I could see Andre like changing any of the formation or that based off how well you know uh, Awata comes in or if he's wanting to keep McGregor in. But I think long term, if Awata becomes like a sort of main starter, it would probably be to point the six and then McGregor goes forward. But in terms of who drops out and who plays that other number eight position with the four players I've just said that. I wouldn't like to predict that. That's one prediction I'm not be making. Tony, um, I'm going to throw one word on to the end of what, uh, what Aidan says there is a poser. Europe? Yeah, two sixes in Europe. Accelerator protection. That would be just to sort of not get, you know, uh, prized open like they did a couple of times uh, in the Champions League this season and try and not concede as many goals. I think that's in the back of his mind. Mm. That kind of fluid system, you know, where you do maybe play with two sitters, especially in Europe, eh, thinking more of the, the away games, maybe not so much in the home games, but depending on the level of the opposition at home, you know, uh, you have to be practical. He, he, he said that the, the Champions League group stages this season was a great learning curve so now you're thinking okay and you're joining dots here and trying to connect things but I think that's what he's thinking okay uh-huh. brought in a water you know thinking ahead he's always thinking ahead isn't he so he's actually thinking about the Champions League next season if they get there and what he might do in terms of tweaking you know it's not like a tactical rip up and say right let's play a different way we spoke about that off air when we were relating it to Aberdeen. He's not going to just uh, throw that away, but I, I think, yeah, possibly Sean Maloyce and there, Cal Mack further forward domestically and play the two six. And you, and, and you say to yourself, that, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to try, you say he yeah. wants to make a dent in the Champions League. So Celtic got two points out of 18, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the group stages this, this season. So he. First and foremost, you want to be competitive, you want to improve in that. What do you need to do? You need to stop conceding goals for a start. Mm. How can you stop conceding goals? Well, you can tweak your system a wee bit, and if that's what he sees is maybe helping them, because a lot of goals came from midfield runners running off forward-thinking players, or more forward-thinking players, so you think to yourself, okay, just kind of bringing a watch in and bringing him in now so that he can get game time and settled into the system and the rhythm and then you know the, the Champions League what starts in August September of the following season so you get about six seven months bedding in that kind of thing yeah that's what I'm thinking uh, Derek Crawford saying two sitters in the Champions League slash Europa League oh Derek can't be saying that yet uh, domestically move Cal Mack up one because uh, McGregor's the only one that moves the ball quick enough in the six role for me now I agree with that I, I really do I think you see a difference when it's McGregor because he, yeah. um, he'll take it under pressure I've seen this since, mm-hmm. since he moved there he do a without meaning to necessarily compare the two of them directly but I remember a few of Paul McStay's teammates saying even if he had a player on him you can still give him the ball because he'll, he'll still get it out from his feet and he'll get it moved on better than if they were trying to pick another pass Um Carl McGregor's like that, especially when you've had maybe Carl Starfield, especially at the beginning, a bit nervous about his passing. He's better at it now. Um, if in doubt, give it to McGregor. Even if he's got somebody on him, he will be able to take it in and he'll get it moved on. Uh, I agree with Derek. He is very quick at getting it released. I think uh, the two-sitters thing in Europe, I wouldn't necessarily rule that out just because as opposed to Cogler likes a 4-3-3 because I've said before, it's his overall way of playing football that he's married to, not necessarily a 4 3 3. Obviously, it's it's the consistent formation that he uses, especially here and especially in the last few years. But he's used three at the back before, says that before. He's used two sitters before, he done it with Australia. It depends on the players he's got available. And part of the reason that he signed Tomoki Iwata at Yokohama F Marinos, he said it at the time he signed him, was to give him that extra guy in midfield that he yeah. could maybe play as a part of a two. So I think, I think it all ties into to, to the coming months rather than immediate. Um, yeah. The thing is, because there's no Europa League campaign, because, because Celtic dropped out of Europe entirely, there's nowhere to almost test it before next season when hopefully it will be straight into the Champions League. So you'll be going in, uh, maybe testing pre-season, I, I don't know. But you're, you're, you're not going to be getting any real attempts to play two sitters domestically because there's no, there's no need. Um, 
before then, but I do think that that's what he's got his eye on, how to better equip them for, for the Champions League group stages. Yeah. And I would argue that that season there, uh, this season now, basically, the, the group campaign there, was more about Celtic not taking their own chances, but nonetheless, they still did concede too many goals. So if you can tighten up a wee bit and maybe you get the rub of the green with a couple of your chances, that, that group campaign's looking a lot different. Yeah, I mean, I think you that the, the facts and statistical analysis will bear that out, Aidan, as well, yeah. But the the harsh, the harsh facts were that Celtic took two out of 18, mm-hmm. you know, and they know where they went wrong and it's fine margins, and I think these are the fine margins that I'm just trying to address, and I think the latter is one of those margins that he, he sort of seized upon an opportunity, and I think that's the way he's thinking as well. Would you think, Aidan, you, you're on board with that? Hey, I've actually been convinced about the sort yeah. of the two sixes and just when you were talking there. Uh, yeah, I, obviously, like Sean mentioned, that's kind of what Ange did with Fawata when he signed him for Marinos, so that's it's not sort of inconceivable that that's what he considers doing here. I, I think we do need to probably tighten up a bit in the Champions League. Uh, not not to the extent, obviously, Nano Ange won't do this, that you suddenly start, you know, parting the bus and playing defensive football. That's not the way it works. And We've seen other teams in the Champions League this season that like, even if you sit back, you can still get scaled to be blunt about it. So I, I think maybe being a wee bit more defensive-minded, or not even more defensive-minded, but just tighten up a bit, could be an option, particularly if you are going to play like, you know, a Real Madrid or a team at that level, etc. So, yeah, I've been convinced there, just to be honest, to talk about it, that that could be a good idea for next season. Uh, next one up, Mark Jenks. My question is, should we be using the youth team more, given that Celtic losing talents like Ben Doak to Liverpool? Now, obviously, Ben Doak to Liverpool, ultimately, Jackie McNamara, who, who represents Ben Doak, came out the other week to the BBC and said, like, he thought, Ben Doak getting a wee bit of game time in that derby and different things, getting in squads would have convinced him to stay. But ultimately, Liverpool really, really enticed him, really wanted him, and, and he decided to go. The other ones I would make the case for is like to own Moffat and different things. Uh, Armstrong, Uncle Flex, players like that who didn't really see a pathway to getting first team minutes and decided, right, it's better if I just go. Um, so I, I take the point. I'll put in... I link into my Joey Dawson piece, it's up to Dave, which mentions those people and when mentions the likes about Darren O'Dea and Steve McManus and as Poster Coggle himself have said about this pathway. Um I think ideally you know where I stand on it. I think yes, ideally you do use more youth players. It needs to be act it, either it needs to be an active choice to play them over the players that are there, which is a rare and a brave thing to do, um, with the quality of player that Celtic's got, or it needs to be circumstance. For instance, when there was no right-backs, I keep saying it, I thought maybe you would give somebody a nod. Um, up front, you'd probably need injuries. I'm saying Joey Dawson, as a centre-forward, might benefit if Yakimakis was to leave and O's not ready. Even then, I still I still feel that he might play Maida through the middle and Abada through the middle before he'll play a youngster. But I take Mark Jenks' point. Um, what do you think, Tony? I think the problem with Ben Doak is that Ben Doak's such, such a precocious talent, isn't he? You know, the, the boy looks like a talented, gifted footballer, doesn't he? And, you know, uh, when when Jackie Mack spoke about Ben Doak getting game time in the derby and he said he thought that would be enough to, to hold him at Celtic and keep him at Celtic, but it wasn't. Hmm. What, what, what could Celtic do? Ben Doak made his breakthrough at Celtic at the right time. You know, he did. He, he, he followed all the, the pathway and the progression. So what, what could Celtic have done any different to keep a hold of Ben Doak? Nothing, I don't think. And I think it's just the fact that he, from what you've seen of him, he, he, he looks like he's going to be a, 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 a talented, talented footballer. Mm-hmm. And, and, and them's, them's the breaks. Now you're saying, how can we stop it happening to the likes of Joey Dawson and you know, Rocco Vata? Guys like that. And she the other day, young players being in the first team, it's earned. So at that point in his career, Ben Doak had earned the opportunity to be in the Celtic first team, but decided because he was coming to the end of that particular contract that he wanted to go to Pastures New and you know, took a gamble on himself. Liverpool wanted him. He was fortunate that a club like Liverpool wanted him. And they, they saw a lot in him that they thought, they could work with what, what what can you do to stop that? 
you know, and and young players. It, what can you do with young players just now? How many of those young players are really chatting at the door and kicking it in and dislodging the players that Celtic have at the club at, at this moment in time? You just don't see it, do you? Uh, that, that, that's where I keep coming back to. Rocco Vata, he's got the benefit of only being 17, so it's not absolutely vital at this stage that he's, that he's getting it preferable because if you're good enough, you're old enough and all that kind of stuff. But when you look at that depth chart, Tony, uh, again, I keep saying it, the wing positions... Central midfield's probably rivaling it now, but the wing positions are up there in terms of the hardest yeah. to actually break in and get minutes beyond an injury crisis. Yes. Um, which I think is just, I think it's just, that's just what it comes down to. And then, um, and then going back to it as well, you know, Liverpool can offer even the youngsters a lot more money. So, you know, you, you when you force young kids into that kind of decision, not force them, but you, you know, you, you dangle that in front of them and the possibility of maybe gate crashing the first team as well, you know, it's what are you going to do, Aidan? You know, so it's it's uh, and I know lots of people saying that Ben Doak wasn't loyal to Celtic and stuff like that. I I just feel that you have to sort of let it go. It's happened. You can't keep coming back to Ben Doak. Can't keep coming back to Ivan Tony and John McGinn. You know, it's going back a bit, Tony. Yeah, Stephen like, Fletcher, Stephen Fletcher. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff, you know. And, yeah. You know, every every kind of Celtic era has those kind of moments, don't they? You know, you, even Davy Hay would tell you about trying to sign Pat Nevin and Joe McLaughlin back in the day, and mm. you know, he was he was uh, wasn't given the money by the old board to do so. So you, you have these sliding doors moments in in Celtic history and. You know, you, you have to dust yourself down and, and get up, dust yourself down and just get on with it. You know, Ben Doak will be what Ben Doak is mm. uh, and whatever that may be. And good luck to him. He chose to go to Liverpool. He got first in football at Celtic. It wasn't enough. So you, you just say, fine, that's your decision. And you go and good luck to you in your career. But I don't beat myself up and think, oh, I wish we'd kept Ben Doak. You know, For me, I've, I, when it comes to the youth system rather than like signings that you missed out on and stuff, I've I've got a fucking I don't know what you call it a more holistic approach to the whole thing. Like I really want to, want to see people make it make the grade yeah. itself, right first and foremost. But see if they don't. The next best for me is, and it's still, to me, an endorsement of Lennox Town and the youth system, even if they don't make it to Celtic, but if they carve out a good professional career and they're living out of the game for themselves. I've, said, yeah. I've written this before as well. Let's see, it's even seeing somebody like, Stuart Findlay, say, never made it at Celtic, went out on loan, couldn't quite make it when he came back at Celtic, but then carved out a decent career for his sale, whether it's Kilmarnock down south, got a move to America and he's back down south again, different things. And I know that's just a random example, but if I see a, a former Celtic youth player who gave it a good go at Celtic, couldn't quite break in, but they've carved out an actual full-blown career for themselves and not fell by the wayside, which is a common yeah. thing as well. I'm still quite I'm still quite happy to say, well, they've come out, they've been formed within Celtic, they're still a Celtic success story, even if it's not at Celtic. But I know not everybody has that point of view, and it's just if they don't make it to Celtic, then they've not made it, that kind of thing. But that's, what you, like that. that's what you wish for them. It's no disgrace not to make it at Celtic at any given time. Because mm-hmm. I guess player, if you are unless you are extremely talented and extremely gifted, but even then you've seen guys like that still not make a dent in the first team either. So you know, uh, it, it happens to a lot of players, but that's all you wish for, that Celtic in some shape or form shape their development as footballers and as people. Yep. Don't forget, and as persons, as human beings, and if Celtic have had any part in that, then you do wish them well and you wish them well elsewhere because it, it must be the biggest gut wrencher ever to spend maybe, say, 10 years of your life at a club like Celtic and then for Celtic to sort of maybe turn around and say, do you know what, you know, Let's let's part company. I, I, you know that, that that must be the the worst worst feeling ever for a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of. Uh, Kerr McEnroy, Tony. Yeah, well, Kerr McEnroy. You, is, um, uh, you you, you yeah. managed to interview him slightly ju- just before his contract yeah. was was up, and he was told, "No, you're not getting the extension." Former youth team captain, serious injury while he was in the youth teams. Yeah. Simply helped him through. He spoke to you about that. He spoke to you about basically, although he hadn't been told that his Celtic kind of days were, were over. He says to you, he kind of could see the way it was going. 
yeah. no hard feelings. He, he understood all that kind of thing. If that's the way that it went, that's the way that it went. He, he obviously was very, very grateful for the, the upbringing at Celtic because he'd already been out on loan a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Done really well at Air United on loan, got his move to Kilmarnock. He's there at Kilmarnock now, struggling for game time a wee bit, but by all means, a highly thought of character and player. You don't captain Celtic youth teams with the likes of Ewan Henderson, Stephen Wilson, all that in it. If you're not a good character and a good player now, just because he's never, he couldn't quite make that jump. Because remember, he went in pre-season with Ange, yeah. and I know that it, they never had much many players at that point, but he still was there at the, the start of the Ange era. Just because he's now at Kilmarnock and went on loan to United and different things doesn't mean that he is, to me, doesn't mean that he's not a Lennox Town success story because he's Celtic reared. Yeah, and I tell you what else he was, he's a wonderful person. A really decent boy gave me, you know, about half an hour, 40 minutes of his time, spoke me through, answered all my questions. There was no uh, no ego in the boy at all. And I came away from that interview and I said to you, I wish that boy all the best. I hope he makes a success of it. And uh, he he's learned a lot. You know, he, he, he took what Celtic had to teach him teach him and offer him and he's taken that into the big bad world of football away from Celtic and he's now with Kilmarnock and I wish him every success and, and what a credit to himself, Celtic and, and his own family, uh, just a, one of life's good guys and you think, do you know what, I hope you do go on and prosper away from Celtic and, and make a career of it Sean because that's all these guys want to do, they just want to be professional footballers, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, put the link to that Martin Roy. Yeah, um, Mike and Roy interview in the comments. I accidentally picked a, a Google search one, so it's a big long thing. I tried to delete it, but I've put the actual link in because uh, it's well worth it. He talks about not only captaining Stephen Wilson, and Ewan Henderson, and what it's like as a youth player, but training with Damien Duff, who was a highly yeah. thought of coach when he was with Celtic, different things like that. Um, Sean Malloy coming in saying, Have we not lost a couple of decent prospects to German clubs? Liam Morrison's still at Bayern Munich, too. Um, I the, 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 there's, there's plenty, but I don't. I don't know. Youth might not agree, but that—that's the way I think on it when it comes to youth players. That just because they've not necessarily made it at Celtic doesn't mean they're not a Celtic youth system success story. And I know that's almost a daft thing to say because that's primarily why they're there. But that's the way that I always think about it. Um, last, nearly an hour. Last questions, maybe. Just a yes or no to this, excluding uh, O. Do you think there will be more signings, James McMullen asks? No, no, I'm going to say both, no. both no right away there. Uh, I'm I'm inclined to I'm inclined to say no as well because I don't really know where it would be. Yeah, you know that's I mean? that's my. I don't know what position it would be in. I, I think I'm just. If the ball comes in, then the strikers in. So realistically, it's people going out. I'm going against what I usually say because every manager is always two players short of the perfect <laughs> squad, isn't he? But uh, mm-hmm. I think Ange is really happy with the squad that he's got at the minute. But again. He likes a curveball, doesn't he? And he always caveats that with, but if something comes up. Oh, aye. Matt O'Reilly. <laughs> aye. No, that's what I mean. So, and you know fine well, he's got his eyes scanning every market and he's very, very knowledgeable and he'll know he'll be available and he'll know if somebody can come in and make a difference because he's already planned ahead for that, mm-hmm. hasn't he? So, it, it might go to the wire because the Matt O'Reilly one was done late, wasn't it? He said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, my the short answer is no, but would you be surprised? No, no, I wouldn't. The no. rabbit out of a hat from somewhere, but again, like you, I'm just trying to think: what actual position do you want to strengthen? Mm-hmm. See, the, the only thing for me is succession plan for goalkeeper, but it's not necessarily this window. Beyond that, the fullback situation get get um get sorted really. Uh, we're assuming at this stage, if Yakimakis goes and all comes in, that that's that sorted. Um, central midfield's been reinforced. I, I genuinely think I'm looking at more at people going out than, than in. And on that note, Tony, you've written a newsletter. Or yes. your, your, the newsletter for tonight will be on the the expendable players at Celtic, yes. the potentially expendable players in this window. Um, you give your verdict, we run down whether they should stay or not stay, if it's loans or exits and whatever. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, last question because he's been absolutely chapping it a bit for us to ask it. Uh, I've seen him asking about four times. I've actually had it highlighted since quarter past ten, but I've just not asked it yet. Uh, Gary McDill 
do you think Celtic need to tie Ange Postecoglou down on a longer contract, Aidan? So, uh, <laughs> just a caveat, I know obviously I just said before he's used to working in the model of like a sort of rolling contract and he's not stressed and he's not worried, but I'm stressed and worried. So I hope that they do tie him down to a deal just because I, I, I do believe Andrew's committed to a long-term project. You know, when he's talking about making steady progressions in Europe each year, etc. Well, I do believe that he buys into that, but I just think with the Premier League, they so often will just sack managers that if he's sitting in a rolling contract every summer, there's a chance somebody could just come in for him. And that does concern me. Now, it might not be this summer. It, it could be the following summer. And a, three seasons would be a decent time to stay at Celtic, but I would like to be in a position that if somebody did come in for him, that's similar to when Brendan Rodgers left, Celtic were able to get a hefty fee and you were sort of protected by that. But I understand that he has talked about how that maybe goes against how he usually works. But my personal opinion, I would like him to sign a, sign a massive deal, but at least I'm in for a few years anyway. Tony, we've spoke about it before on a few occasions, tail end of last season, I'm thinking. But for me, what always comes back in my mind is, remember that Dermot Desmond interview, that rare Dermot Desmond Celtic TV interview? And uh, how he said at that point that, like... The manager is chairman of the board when it comes to uh, football recruitment and football, all things football is concerned and all that. To me, and I wrote, I wrote this in a column at the time, you can't really underestimate the importance that Ange Postecoglou is to the way that the next few years at Celtic play out. To me, yeah. probably beyond that. And he's on this one year rolling contract and I keep saying it, it's fine as long as it's fine. But see the attitude of right, the, chairman's, the manager's the chairman of the board for all things football. That's only good for the club in the long haul if everything surrounding, the structure surrounding him reflects that same underlying ethos, whether he goes or not. So it's not so much to me about whether Andrew's on a long-term contract as it is what's in place behind him. Should he go? Yeah. Well, I mean, I agree with that, yeah. But I, I just I just listen to the manager on these things. It's not the way he works, is it? Hmm. Never nailed himself down to any kind of big big contract has he it's just you just trust him and you trust the way he works and why bother he, he never talks about financial remuneration does he he always talks about the players being handsomely rewarded and all that kind of stuff and you know if you can he enjoy it here and you know he contracts what does he always say he leaves that to other people doesn't he mm. until such times when he's presented with something that he has to have a look at but he ain't broke with Ange Postacoglu at the minute do just tie them down on a five-year deal make any real difference? All it does is protect the club if somebody does come in from, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. If he wants to go, he wants to go. So whether he goes tomorrow or he goes in five years, doesn't really make much difference, does it? All you'll get is maybe more money for him. And, and, I, and I get all that. And I know Brendan Rodgers signed a deal which ended up Celtic got one of the biggest compensation fees for a, man, a, a manager... Uh, managerial setup ever, wasn't it? Nine million quid or something they got. Mm. So but I don't think Angel thinks like that that well if I sign this you you'll get ten million when I when I go. No, but it's not really up to him to think on that. They can't put a pe- a pen in his hand and say sign that and protect No, but they can it. make it lucrative and, and incentivize it enough that he, that he I says, I know what I because if I, like you say it works both ways. If somebody wants him enough they wants to go to, yeah, but I mean, yeah. if, if he is an ambitious day, man as well, Tony. Yeah, and then the Angie's a chairman of his own board as well. Mm-hmm. He'll turn around and say, Do you know what? I'd like to go there. Aye, like but to at that point, if he's signed a contract, it's not going to matter or not. That's that, that works yeah, both ways in that but, sense. The only yeah, difference think, is the club gets bigger, gets more money. But from what he no. said, he's no interest in signing a contract, and he said mm-hmm. that unless you make it incentivized enough that he goes, You know what? That's actually great, that's yeah, actually a good offer. Yeah, I just um, somebody that's not going to listen to the minute you go like that. Mm. Think we talk about a contract? I think he just switches off. He just nah, I don't. I don't. Head. I think that's. I think that's maybe disingenuous. That because he's he is a he's a football manager. He's he's a fair bit of there's a fair bit of grandstanding. With it, I think to me, but he's an ambitious guy as well. Is what I would say. Of course, yes. Yeah. I think it would need to be the right thing. First and foremost, for instance, people were talking about Everton. I just don't see that. It's, it doesn't seem it wouldn't be an attractive thing for me for him 
uh, without putting words in his mouth. I don't know about you, but I just don't see why you'd be attracted to that kind of project. Um, but I, for me, it comes back down to the it's fine as long as it's fine. But more to the point, it's what's in place behind him because he'll go at some point. He's not going to be here for the rest oh, of his sure. life. So yeah. what's in place behind him's got to be cogent. It's got to be a structure that can survive yeah. him not being there, even if it's based on his principles, which I think it should be because I think it's working. And, and it's I an admirable set of principles to be working towards as well. And I think that's what you'll want to do. You'll want to make sure that that happens. Mm -hmm. And leave that, people talk about leaving some kind of lasting legacy. And I think that's what Andrew want to do in terms of Celtic. You'll want to leave a lasting legacy and to make sure that all the good work that he's done is carried on. Mm -hmm. Which is why I, I think, you know, he wants to sort of get, he wants to get everything structurally in place in a system of football in place at first in the, and get Celtic qualifying for the Champions League year in, year out and then at some point in the future he will say well I'm leaving you in this this kind of capable order and you know in this situation it's mm. a good situation for anyone to come in and inherit that that's the way I, I, I see that panning out just don't think that he would jump to, as you say, an Everton at this juncture. You don't nah, know. You know, so I, I, but I just, again, I go back to you kind of listening to what he said. Nathan touched upon that there. He's spoken about Champions League building and all that and future years and stuff. And I, I just think that he does want to leave, as Brendan Rodgers kind of alluded to, some kind of lasting legacy, which takes a wee while to, to kind of build, doesn't it? Takes a wee while, so not commit to it. No, that, that's that's the thing. That's the, that's the easy answer to that. One year on contracts committing to nothing. Yeah, I know. Well, but uh, again, I'm not wrong. To, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I do I, agree. I, there's I, not a big deal, but I, I think if you're going to do all these things, then commit to it. His own words. It's always the way he's worked. It's mm. never bothered them. Never been it's at a situation never, like Celtic, but and he's not, it's never hampered his. Uh, it's never hampered his ambition, and it's never hampered his. Uh, his success rate or his strike rate has it? Why is that? Because he's moved on to bigger. That's the thing, he's moved on to better. He's moved, he, he saw Yokohama and he went, oh, Celtic, I'll go there. But he's like, that's what I'm saying, devil's advocate. I, I, would prefer, like Aiden, I would prefer that he got, they got tied down so that even if he does go, then this, the club gets some sort of remuneration to help. Yeah, I mean, But for me, as I say, fundamentally, it's not as much about if he goes, when he goes, even the contract per se, as much as I'm saying it. It's more about what they do after it, what's yeah. been put in place, and what do they what do they stick to, and what do they not? Because remember, in that Aiden, in that Dermot Desmond interview, he said that they had a five man list, which to me, images are just a wee scrolled note and a draw, like that kind of thing. Not nothing like massively researched or anything like that. That's maybe unfair, but certainly the way that he put it was like we've got a five at any point we've got a five man list, and that basically Peter Lawwell insisted Postecoglou should be on that list. Um, so to me, the worst thing that could happen would be you build all this with Ange Postecoglou, he goes at any stage, whether it's he signed a contract and then he goes and they get compensation, or whether it's a rolling contract and he just goes, or he reaches the end of where he thinks he can take the club and he goes. And at that stage, the worst thing that could happen is that they go back to that five-man list and it's not anybody that really carries on anything that Postecoglou's built and the structure that's in place behind them it doesn't really suit the next guy that they bring in, Aiden. Like, it's uh, somebody that wants to tear it up and play five at the back or something. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not going to be that, but that's the worst thing that they could do. So, to me, again, it's got to be that structure's got to stay whether he goes now or whether he goes in six years. Aye, that five-man list is probably getting me learning on it, no doubt. But I think I think in terms of, like, overall, <laughs> in terms of, had to be said. I think in terms of the the structure, that is important, Sean, and that's a concern that as much as Andrew's doing really, really well, the worry really is that when he goes, are we just going to be back to square one again? And I like to think, no, I also you know they've got Mark Wallen, who mm -hmm. hopefully is playing a decent part in the recruitment. I know he wasn't there for the first season, but so far the recruitment has still been pretty good since he has taken on that role. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully there is a, more of a more of a sort of structure than reserve before, but in terms of like the board potentially going back to just a five man list that you know was originally compiled, say Ange stays for another two years, so originally compiled like four years ago when Ange moves on. Uh, 
that that is always going to be in the back of people's heads, and I think it's a valid concern just given the way that sort of the managerial process has been dealt with in the past. But fingers crossed, we are all sort of moving by that. Ah, it's good. That's over an hour. Hour five minutes for a Q and A that we weren't sure what to talk about at the start. So, yes, an hour of ranting. Yeah, I, th- I saw somebody put a message in there saying, "Don't worry, Aiden. The two daddies are fighting." Daddy and daddy, <laughs> I. <laughs> Which I quite liked. We weren't fighting. Just a uh, frank exchange of views. I think's the phrase, isn't it? What will be will be. Yeah, I'm ready for you, Charles. Fine, don't worry. I, I, I let's end on that. Let's end on Jason Lee. You guys are the best. Love it. Love it. Thank you very much, Jason. That's very complimentary. Gary McDowell, brilliant lads. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we. I've got to be honest. I, I'm not actually conscious of the fact that we've gone over the hour mark. You mm-hmm. just sort of talk away, and the clock's the biggest surprise sometimes. But uh, and I say it every day. We, we can't do it without you guys. And you throw up your questions and. We try and endeavour to answer them as honestly and as professionally as as we can. Mm-hmm. We hope you enjoy that. We certainly enjoy it. We we kind of we we do appreciate the interaction we get on here because it's it's good fun. And as you can see, we don't take ourselves that seriously either. Uh, at times, we like to get stuck in about each other and slaughter each other and stuff like that and for various things. And yeah, it's. Uh, well, I, I can't believe I think I don't know if that is that a world record. I'm not sure it might well it be. It be, to be honest. I'm out, out with sit downs and different things. I, I think yeah. it might be. So there you have it. But I'll just direct your attention to the strap line running along the bottom, guys, as we do every day. You can join us, costs a pound, four months of unlimited access to everything we do on the website. And new subscribers will receive a limited edition bespoke A3 artwork by renowned Celtic football artist made by Frankie. You can see that on the screen there. And it's all for the click of a button, guys. www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And we thank Seneca, the Celtic Way Briefing Morning Way. Celtic Way Morning Briefing, now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group. And Seneca, the number one hair transplant company in Europe, and they offer innovative hair restoration treatments. And you can find out more about Seneca via the links in the description of this video. And they've got all sorts of plugs today, Seneca. They'll be well chuffed. Yep. They'll be wanting Drew Jarvie mentioned every other day and Bobby Charlton and all that kind of stuff. But there you have it. But no, guys, thanks a lot. That was really enjoyable. Uh, as I hope we answered your questions to the best of our ability. Yes, Robert Gibson, I'm at my mammy's house. Still got the landscape gardeners in and drilling all sorts my garden that, mo- that moat's fairly dragging on, isn't it? Yeah, I know. That's just because the ground was solid for a few days, so they couldn't do anything. So, yeah, I don't know how long it will take that, but it's coming on. And one day I'll give you the guided tour if you really want that. <laughs> Maybe get the play the super striker out that day as well. But hey, one of those ones. But Sean, thanks for your contribution. First class, Aiden, excellent as always. Guys, thanks for your questions. We'll do it all again tomorrow. Try and find out what we'll talk about tomorrow, Sean. <laughs> That's what keeps us up at night, these kind of things, doesn't it? But have a terrific Tuesday. See you for a wonderful Wednesday. Cheers, guys.